And if a man is successful, he's well-educated, he, he is emotionally intelligent, he takes care of his body, he's going to want to be with a woman who's on the same level, necessarily. Yep. Like, he yep. just wants to be with his equal. Men, now, they, would he sleep with a woman who may not be successful, may not be on the same level? Probably, because he's a guy. Welcome to the Love Strategies Podcast, where we help successful women attract high-value men, date with a strategy, and improve their relationships. Now, whether you're single or dating or in a new relationship, we're here to help you dive into the male mind and provide raw insights found nowhere else, backed by science, psychology, and our own personal experiences. Your hosts today are myself, Adam LaDolce, professional dating coach and founder of Love Strategies, and Dr. Gary Lewandowski, a relationship scientist, professor, and our head relationship coach here at Love Strategies. Please share with a friend and enjoy. All right, Carrie, today we're going to be answering the age-old question or attempting to answer the age-old question, which is, are men really turned off by successful women or is that a myth? And the reason why we're discussing this is because the vast majority of our clients, 99% of them are extremely successful, right? They are the television personalities. They are lawyers, they're doctors, they're corporate executives. Um, they are, you know, nurses, doctors. These are the types of people who are the go-getters in life. And I think coaching programs in general tend to attract those types of people because they're learners and they're growers. And one thing that we hear constantly is men are repelled by me because I'm successful. And that is something that I really want to address with so many women out there because I feel like if the answer is yes to that, then the only solution to that is to play dumb. <laughs> like, what else is there? What else? Be less successful if you want to find love. So, of course, that is not the solution. And that is not where we're going to be pointing you towards, is a little bit of a teaser to today's podcast, but I don't know, Gary, what do you think on this topic? I, I think this is one of those ones. I, I think you're right. You know, so many of our clients fall into this category of being super successful and it's confusing and frustrating because these are women who are accomplished. They're intelligent. They're, they're like the go-getters. They run companies. They, they're so in command of so many things. They juggle a lot. Yeah. And they're able to be super successful in everything. And then, you know, they struggle in this one area. And it's like, what, what gives? Like, what's what the gives? problem here, right? Right. Um, and so I, I think it's important to get one of the obvious things out of the way. And, and, and you kind of hinted at it. It's like, well, you know, you could just be less successful or you could be less intimidating and kind of like hide all these great qualities that you have. And we already, we actually already talked about this specifically on a previous podcast. So we're going to stop. But you just think, don't do that, right? Don't you do that. don't want those guys. The right guy's not going to be intimidated and, you know, not want you because you're successful. It's all about finding the right kind of guy. Um, but that said, there are some things that have contributed to success that at the same time simultaneously repel men and keep them at a distance. And so if you're having a hard time finding guys, this is some stuff that you're really going to want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> I think the harsh reality here, and this is a very difficult topic to discuss without appearing to sound sexist or anything like that. And I'm certainly not sexist. We do this because we are helping women in their love life. We are passionate about this. This is all we do. So with that said, I feel like I have to say this caveat going into this conversation. The challenge here is that when a man is successful 
financially and he runs a business or he does really well for himself, that by nature is an attraction trigger. Women are attracted to men who have access to resources, right? Like whether we want to admit that or not, it is just factually true. There's plenty of data and there's plenty of just empirical data as well as just research that supports that. And women want to be with a guy who's got his stuff together. Whereas a female who is by nature, who is very successful, that may not have the same attraction trigger to a man. Now, it, on the other hand, doesn't necessarily make it a, a bad thing, but it doesn't also, it doesn't necessarily elevate that woman too far in a man's eyes as far as on an, on an attraction level, like on a physical attraction level. Um, does it mean that an attract a, a successful man would want to be with a woman who's successful? Yeah, of course he wants to be with his equal, but just like on that deep, I don't know, lizard brain biological level, it may not be something that just like instantly draws him in as being like, oh, I need to have her the same way it might for you as a female, when you meet a guy who let's say runs a company of a thousand people. Gary, did I, did I tow that line okay? What do you think? Yeah, I think so. And I think the other important point about all of this is everything that we're going to say here about some of the downfalls and how your success in your professional life can hold you back in your relationship life, we're talking about successful people. Our target audience for this podcast just happens to be women. We help women find relationships, right? Yeah. And so everything we're going to say, though, these, these things that are repelling your partner, they apply to anybody who's successful. Right? So, you know, that I think is is important to uh to make sure we're clear about. <laughs> we're so scared of this topic. <laughs> Listen to us. We're like politicians up there, up here. We're like, okay, with that said, here's all the caveats and want to make sure. But look, you, for those who know this stuff, we're here to help and we're here to actually empower all of the women out there who are successful and have that head trash that they think that. Just because they are successful, they are unattractive to men. And that is categorically false. It is absolutely false. And there's a lot of research and a lot of data. And there's a lot of just like personal experience to support that. Um, and if a man is successful, he's well-educated, he, he is emotionally intelligent, he takes care of his body, he's going to want to be with a woman who's on the same level. Necessary. Yep. Like he yep. just wants to be with his equal. Men now that would he sleep with a woman who may not be successful, may not be on the same level? Mm -hmm. Probably because he's a guy. That's the harsh reality. Once again, I'm about to get canceled hard here by saying all this stuff. But will he marry that woman? No, he was, wants to marry the woman who's his equal. And that's the, the key part of all this. So you're saying there's hope. <laughs> there's definitely hope. Oh, my <laughs> God. And look, I, I, I'll tell you, when I was naming love strategies, I wanted to appeal to the successful women out there who want strategies in their love life. Like, there's a reason why I named it love strategies, because those who are successful, they hear strategy and they think, oh, what got me where I, what got me to success in other areas of my life was having a strategy. So maybe that'll work in my love life. And it's actually worked very well for us. So it's my kind of like sneaky inside <laughs> way of uh, attracting the right type of clients. So mm -hmm. let's jump into some of the key points here because I know you got you have a few, Gary. Yeah, and so you know, 
we're talking about people who are successful. So to be successful, to have that high level role, you have a lot of responsibility. And so anybody that's going to be in that role, they're going to build up hard shell. Like you need mm -hmm. that like aura of professionalism. You spend your day in professional business mode. You know, you have to establish and maintain boundaries, particularly as a woman in that role with your male coworkers. Yeah. It's got to be clear. This is work. This is professional. This is nothing else. And so you're really good. You become very adept throughout your workday and maintaining high, hard boundaries. Um, here's the problem, though. Those same boundaries that are super effective and necessary in the work professional environment can actually deter guys in your emotional relationship side of your life. And so you need to figure out a way to transition. Hey there, ladies. As you can see, we're just getting this podcast off the ground. And since we don't run any ads, I only have one quick favor to ask in return. Can you just take a quick second right now, pause this episode and just leave us a review wherever it is that you're listening to the podcast. Really help us out a lot and it really does spread the love. And uh, I think the world needs a little bit more of that. So I appreciate you. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah. I, I've met a lot of women who are extremely successful. And when you first meet them and you're talking to them, it literally feels like there's an eggshell around them that you have to like kind of crack through. And then once you crack through it and you start to actually get to know who they really are, it's like soft and gooey and wonderful on the inside. It's everything that you've been looking for, but it, it it's like, why are we, what am I missing here? Like I've actually been talking to women at certain times. Where I'm like, what am I missing? And I always feel like it's like they just got out of work. It's happy hour. And they're just trying to like, transition mode but they can't because all day long they've had this hard shell and it, it is an unfortunate reality i would say that women in particular in the workplace have to have this hard shell in order to i mean i don't want to say they have to but they usually will have that hard shell in order to succeed in the 21st century and that's a whole other discussion a whole other podcast as to you know women in the workplace but a lot of women show up that way at work but when you bring that to your love life, it just creates this massive barrier between you and men, and they feel like they can't necessarily connect. So what kind of got you there in the workplace is not what's going to get you there in your love life. Yeah. I mean, the walls and boundaries that make you successful also leave you emotionally unavailable when you're outside of work. And right. so, you know, you need a clear strategy for kind of making making the changeover so that, you know, your work self isn't spilling over into your relationship self. And so right. when you're off the clock, you got to leave your boss, babe, boundaries at work and figure out some like way to transition. You know, talking to some of our clients, some of them will say things like, you know, as soon as I get in my car, I kind of emotionally and mentally take off my professional self and I get back to just being my normal self. Yeah. And so- if it's when you get in the car, get on the subway, get on the bus, whatever it happens to be, when you take your ID badge off, right? You kind of <laughs> hang it on your hang it Do on your mirror. Do people have those? I don't know. I haven't it's worked people. in an office in like 20 years, so I don't know. <laughs> people have them, right? People or your them. lab coat. You take off your lab coat and yeah. hang it up. You know, whatever it is. But like you almost need some kind of symbolic gesture of some sort. It's like, you know, I, I know for myself, like, there was a time in my life I had a three-minute commute from work to home, and it just wasn't enough. I would right. come home, and I would still be in work mode, and I'd be like, dude, go, 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 go. And 
it was rough. It was rough on the on my home life with my marriage, right? And it's like now my commute is about twenty minutes. It's enough buffer to kind of be like get out of work mode, leave work at work as much as possible, and then you know have a have a home life as well. Um, yeah. And so this is something you know you have to figure out whatever works for you. But there needs to be some kind of some kind of switch or some kind of transition. Yeah, if you're if you're leaning to the masculine all day long, if you're a manager, you run a team, you're constantly just making um, constant decisions all day and you are the person pushing things forward constantly, then there has to be, you know, the more that you lean into your masculine at work, the more of a, what I would call a feminine buffer that you need to have between that and your dating life. If you go from being a judge, all right, all day long, and it's a Thursday and then you have a date Thursday evening and you go straight from being a judge all day to that date, you are going to have the hardest shell in the world. That guy will never be able to break through. All right. It's not possible. So what are some things that we can do to step into our feminine? I mean, first off, I would not re recommend if you have a super masculine job to even go on dates during the week, do it during the weekend where you can kind of really take that reset. But if you are going on a meetup, at least Maybe go to the gym, go to yoga, do something that can allow you to just step into the more kind of like feminine receptive flow of things. And and by the way, I would I would recommend that to men. Anyway, it's, it's kind of the same thing, even though men tend to work in the masculine, they want to bring their masculine energy to a date. There's something about having that buffer where you can step back into yourself, your true authentic self, because realistically at work, you're not your true authentic self. You're not bringing that, that warmth, that feminine energy. And it, it's likely we're bringing that to our dating life and men can sense it and they feel disconnected by it. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that buffer also helps with some of those date conversations so that it's not all you venting about the problems you have at work and how annoying the person is that sits in the cubicle next to you. Right. It's like yeah. you, you need a buffer like. Your partner will tolerate those conversations, but no partner really loves those conversations. Right. And yeah. so the, the buffer is going to help with that as well. Um, you know, a lot of this in this, this shell and these walls, it's it's about vulnerability. And and for all the obvious reasons, like you're not going to be emotionally vulnerable at work. Like yeah. no one wants the, the manager who's crying in the closet about things. Like you just, no one wants that. Like, so you have yeah. to kind of have this like veneer of, of stoicism and toughness and strength. But here's the thing, like research shows one of the most important characteristics you can have to make connections with another person is what is just simply called interpersonal warmth. Like yeah. you want to have a warm, affectionate demeanor. And this mm -hmm. is for anybody, right? Guys, women, it's like, we like warmth. We like, it's welcoming, it's inviting, it gives us a lot of emotional connection. And so all of those workplace behaviors run very much contrary to this idea of emotional warmth. Yeah. Um, typical thing, workplace behaviors. Like these are, sure. I would just say typical workplace behaviors as a caveat to what you're saying. Cause like there, maybe you do work in an environment that's super warm and you're a very warm manager and that's, that's wonderful. But across the, the gamut of being, I'm in the business world. I see how people are in the workplace. Typically people are not that way. And typically managers are not that way. And typically there's the environment it's certainly if you're like a sales space, if you're a real like a realtor or like you know in the business world, it's just 
not that type of warm environment. And even if it is warm, there's still this idea where you're very likely, if you're successful, you have people who are reporting to you. So there's this uh, power structure that exists within the workplace. Whereas when you go on a date, there there is no power structure in that way. It's it's very much so two equals coming together to connect. So it's just like a it's it's a massive shift that you want to be able to make from one thing to another. I even remember this myself. Like when I was single, I was a dating coach for many years being single, like five years. I don't know. I'd have to remember exactly. And I remember I'd go on dates after like coaching people. And that was not good. That was <laughs> not a good transition because I went from this very like directive type of mindset where I was kind of, I was kind of the boss with the coach, you know, like not obviously with coaching, I'm not the boss, but like, I am the one that tends to have the advice who's giving the advice, who's advising. And when you go on a date, you don't want to be advising someone. So you had, I had to create a pretty harsh transition from like coaching days to like Adam's dating life days, even though they were like, I was coaching on dating, but still I didn't want to go on dates on those days. Does that make sense? I don't know. No, I think it makes total sense, right? Because really what you're talking about are roles. And so yeah. like I'm a social psychologist and social psychology is all about how context, the situation you're in shapes your thoughts, behaviors, motivations, all, all that stuff. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I know personally there was a time period where for six years I was department chair. So when I was the chair of my department, I was in very much a managerial role. And one of the things you had to do is like, there was a lot of stuff going wrong that you didn't want everyone, like everyone didn't need to know about it. They didn't need to like bother themselves. The faculty didn't have to bother themselves with these things. So you put on a brave face and you act like you put on this like aura of strength almost. It, it's, it's this idea of stoicism. As a faculty member, I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. It's a lot easier <laughs> to make the transition and be warm and fuzzy. And like, I don't have the managerial mindset. And You're so, just chilling, dude. You're just relaxing. It it's so much, but it, it's like, I can just, the transition coming home is very different because it's like, I take care and I help students, right? I help people. Like even, you know, coaching relationship self. It's actually made my my relationship self even better than it was before, right? I mean, it, yeah. sometimes transitions are, are are different kind of depending on your role. But like if you're in a role, particularly managerial, where you do have to kind of withhold your emotions and hold things back, this falls in line with this idea of stoicism. Stoicism is being emotionally in control, feeling in control at all times. And this is like all the rage, like, you know, the obstacle is the way like that. Th this is a thing. And yeah. um, it has a lot of benefits in a lot of ways. But one of the thing that research shows is it's not necessarily stoicism is not ideal for relationships. And it's not always ideal for well-being. Um, mm. In particular, there's a study that just came out that shows that people who are more stoic, particularly this idea of like withholding emotions and, and not letting everything kind of spill out all the time, um, they actually are more aggressive in their arguments, in their romantic relationships, because they tend to kind of like hold things in, hold things in, hold things in, and all of a sudden it's just tipping point and then explode. Right. Um, or pretend it doesn't exist, you know? Right. Like, oh no, I'm not bothered by that. I'm not, but it's like, you're not bothered by it until you are. And then you just, all that self mastery and control goes out the window when you're a little bit tired, hungry, or stressed. And it's like, unleash the floodgates and then you have a problem. And so, you know, yeah. this is another one of those things that's just like, you don't want that stoic kind of behavior from work to spill over into your relationship. 
Yeah, I, it's interesting. I didn't know we we're going to talk about stoicism because I, I, I struggle a little bit with that, but I, I like it. I think this is an interesting conversation and I agree in principle with what you're saying. I do think it's more of a spectrum. On one side, there's stoicism and then on the other side is total lack of emotional control. Right. And it's more so, I, I think that the key to happiness in life is to be able to... um. I don't want to say control your emotions, but tame your emotions, especially when they're totally irrational and be aware of your emotions. That's probably the biggest is when you sense the emotions coming up, noticing that they're there rather than just acting on every single emotion. And sometimes like you might feel angry or frustrated and whether it's professionally or romantically, Sometimes you might feel anger or, or frustration and, and you feel it for a moment and then you kind of rationalize it and you say, you know what, that's actually irrational. Let's move on. Sometimes though, you might have to take a look at that and be like, where's that coming from? And so honestly, I, I, I don't know if I'm digressing here, but I think it's personally, I, this might go against the research. I think it's more of a spectrum because um, I think stoicism is also really helpful in certain circumstances. Yeah. And it, it, I think that's true of everything always, right? It's yeah. like, you know, category. Categorical thinking is always is always wrong, right? It's it's right. not either or; it's somewhere in between. And so, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a time and a place for these things. And I think really what you're talking about is emotional regulation. Yeah, right? you, you just want to be like it's emotional intelligence almost, where it's like you can identify, see things, and then act appropriately on those emotions. And so that takes some regulation. And so I think regulation is is kind of that happy middle point. Um, too stoic is like, nothing bothers me. There's no problem. Like I, I I'm like a, a blank slab of nothingness because yeah. I'm just not going to react anything ever. And it's like, that's tough. And you know, that that's stereotypically how guys are socialized. Yes. Yeah. You know, it, it's like you tell little boy, like you see little boys all the time. It's like, don't cry. Don't cry. Yeah. Toughen up. Girl, Toughen up yeah, that lip. Girls aren't told that. Like it's, you know. There's a, I put a whole story in, in my book about how as a kid, I got hit in the head with a ball. My dad was my coach. And like, I wanted the ball. I was like eight years old. I wanted the ball. And I looked at him and he pointed at him. He's like, not here, not now. No. And I was like, okay. No, this is Philly. The, yeah. <laughs> we don't show that. Down first base. And it's like, if if I was a girl, would my dad have done that? Uh, me, knowing my dad probably, but like, you know, it's just, it's just not. Um, yeah. So bringing that stoicism is really, yeah, that that's, that's all we should have a top a podcast just about masculinity. I think that would be an interesting well, that's one. That's a good one. Yeah. I so we don't that, have to like go, we'll, we won't go into it here so much, but it, you know, yeah. I, I think there's one other way that like that stoic nature kind of comes into the relationship and it's this idea of like, I'm going to withhold because I've been burned before. Mm. And so that's seems adaptive in a lot of ways right and maybe like you were with someone who was narcissistic because you know you want to be part of a power couple and like this but then like three months later it just it all unraveled and it sucked but it's like right. you kind of have to have this you know it sucked it happened it, you have to move on um and so it seems like stoicism is it would be a good thing in, in that case and like bringing some of those work behaviors professional behaviors into your personal life would be good but the problem is is like you can't keep out the bad experiences without also keeping out the good. Right. Right. When you try to keep out the bad, you're going to keep out the good too. And so, you know, yeah. some of those things you're like, no, I'm protective. I've been burned before. I'm going to, you know, walls are fine. Like, what are you guys saying? It's like, 
those walls keep out the good stuff too. And it's, yeah. it's just important to know that. I, I totally agree. I think of like the, someone who's, who's pretty topical right now is Tom Brady, Patriots, of the, uh, Patriots, uh, quarterback. Well, I'm always going to call him Patriots quarterback, right. even though he didn't really end with the Patriots, but that's cool. He's like the, I, I'm pretty sure he talks a lot about stoicism and, yep. and being a stoic when it comes to professionally and, and in football and all of that. And, uh, Greatest football player of all time. And Gary will absolutely agree with that 100%. Right, Gary? And begrudgingly, yes. But can you imagine being married to that guy? Can you imagine that? And by the way, him and Giselle ain't no mo right now. They are done because I'm sure, especially during the football season, it was like she couldn't squeeze an ounce of juice from this guy. Just like no emotion because he's just like so focused this is what i got and there's just no connection there and so i think that there's something to this idea of understanding your emotional what what, what was the what was the word you used earlier emotional, emotional regulation regulation understanding where you are in the spectrum there and if you are going on dates back to full circle we've gone on a tangent on this one but going full circle when you are going on dates and you're bringing that kind of stoic type of uh energy to the date it's going to be very very hard to connect so maybe deregulating a little bit on the emotional side and building that real connection and that means opening up sometimes about the negative stuff as well as the good stuff and that's a beautiful thing that's how you can connect with people interesting conversation i've never thought about this before and and, and talked about this this is good it's good stuff yeah I you know, I, I'm a huge fan of stoicism and I'm, I'm generally a fan, obviously, of like just bringing anything I encounter in life and applying it to relationships for an insight. And so yeah. I had recently been reading about stoicism and I was like, I wonder if there's any research on that. And then sure enough, there there, there was. And the, the best part about having this podcast is you need to go learn about the research and like like some of this stuff literally came out within the last couple of months. Um, right. It's, it's fun to be able to kind of share it and apply it in this way. So. Yeah, I, I left a comment on our on our notes for before this one, and I, the the outro is all about stoicism. I'm like, what are you talking about, Gary? I'm I'm I believe in stoicism. This is what, what are you talking about? But now we're talking about. I don't think we didn't even talk about that comment going into this because we were probably like, yeah, I'm just gonna talk about it. And we'll go from there. But I think is it's really good stuff, and I and I really do think full circle. This is one reason why women who are successful may not be building those connections and it's not because of your success it's because of what got you to that success you might be radiating into your into your love life so very important yeah speaking of of things that help you be successful so you're a successful guy would you consider yourself type a yeah i'm annoyingly type a <laughs> your, like words. Double, is your, words, like your words your words i'm type a too hundred percent. You know what type A people love? What? They love they, they love a good list. Oh, like they love yeah. a good to do list. And oh. I know you, you love a good Trello board. Oh yeah, uh, Gary, you had your Trello, you got your Trello board here at Love Strategies, and you color coordinated it. You coordinated it. You got really dorky. For those who don't know what Trello is, it's just like a project management type system that we use internally here. So yes, I went. I, my type A-ness, I went full beautiful mind. I had colors. I, I didn't. I didn't have strings in my basement. I didn't go that that bad. But electronic, it was all there, right? And so, it's all there. When you're successful and you have a lot of things going on, you start getting into lists. You get in these organizational kinds of things. This is all super adaptive, super necessary for your professional life. But in yep. your personal life, 
that can hold you back. Yeah, it really can. And I, we have a, a little love step, little love step two where, so the little, for those who are just listening now, the little love steps are our step-by-step strategy to helping a woman who's single to attracting long lasting relationships. And there's seven very specific steps that our clients take in order to get there. Little love step two is where we create what we call a love vision. And a lot of times when our type A clients come in, they'll get to little love step two before even getting into our strategies and how we do it. They'll be like, oh, I already have that. I already have a love vision. Like, great. Tell me about it. Like, okay, let me take out my notes. And it's just like a stack of papers, just like three ring binder, ready to go. This is everything that I need. And he needs to look like this. And he needs to be like this. And he's going to, it just, they've, they've developed their perfect human. It's almost like if an AI could create this man, they would just be like, here you go, create it. But we're not there yet. (laughs) Um, And little do they know that actually the love vision works in the opposite way, where we are focusing on the priorities of what really matters. And anything that falls outside of that vision is actually acceptable to us in the short term. So there's a lot to that. But uh, I love that conversation where someone's like, oh, I already have a love vision. Like, no, you don't. Guaranteed, if you have a to-do list of a man, a man to-do list, nah, not that is not a love vision. Well, the thing is, like these things work at work, but yeah. they don't work in in the real. Like it's too, it's cold, it's calculated, and it's it gets shit done, which a lot of times you need, except when it comes to your love life, because getting stuff, getting stuff. I'm gonna go back to stuff instead of continuing to curse, but like. People don't want to waste time. Like how many times, Adam, have you heard women say, I just don't want to waste time? It's just a constant. I, I don't want to waste time with all this stuff. Oh, he's such a waste of time. Is he wasting my time? Uh, I don't want to waste time with this guy if he's not really ready. I get it. Yeah, and they'll, they'll go into their first date with a guy and say, hey, I don't want to waste your time or my time. This is what I'm looking for. This is what I need. Yeah. Are wow. you that person? Right. Oh. Wow. You want to talk about, we said like, what are some things that you do that repel men? Well, whoa. Busting out lists and saying, I don't waste your time. I need this, this, and this. Like, that's not good. Like, kills. Kills the whole energy of things. Because here's here's the crazy thing. Like, research shows men are actually more romantic than women. Yeah. They go more on a field, right? Yeah. They go on this, like, a more of an emotional connection. Women have thought much more about relationships. They're much more practical. That's why they have a list in the first place. Guys don't have a list. Guys go in, they look with their eyes, they're like, okay. She makes, well, they, it's not necessarily just their eyes. It's how they feel leaving that 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 date or how they feel about you. I mean, they, men aren't going to remember what you say, but they'll remember how you made them feel. And when right. you sit down, and I've had this happen to me, where I sit down with a woman on a date and seriously, within minutes, like we've just met. Or like maybe we met somewhere else like for 10 minutes and I got her phone number and now we're going on a date, whatever. 10 minutes in, she's like, look, you seem like a great guy, but I just, I don't want to waste my time here. I just want you to know I'm looking for something serious and I just want to see if you are as well. I'm like, we've just met. Right. Like we just, yeah. Okay. You're looking for something serious. I'm open to something serious, but I don't know about with you and the way that that's framed and now puts me on this defensive where I'm like, if I say yes, does that mean we're now like dating? It's just, it's just, it is so much putting the cart before the horse. It's ridiculous. And you leave that moment feeling like kind of icky. You're just like, ah, 
like for all the women listening, have you ever gone out with a date who's just like on a date with a guy who's just like he's too much, too soon, too needy, and you feel almost like Ugh, I don't I don't want to be around that person too much for me. I don't know. I don't I don't I didn't feel it yet. That's how guys feel when you're just trying to save time by jumping to the good stuff. Yeah, and maybe you're not maybe you're not that bold where you're like just jump in and say like maybe but it's maybe like hinting at things, like talking about what you guys might do for your in in the summer and it's you know only January. Or, yeah. you know, just like anything that's like a little too like it's jumping ahead to step ten when you're really just on step one or two. And right. it, it's something to look out for. And you know, all this fits into that checkbox mentality. It's like no one wants a checkbox romance, no one wants a to-do list love affair. Right. And so that's just not how relationships get started and how relationships work. Um, yeah. The other thing that's very much related to this, particularly if you have like a, a list of criteria and a lot of like does he or doesn't he and how is he, which is very efficient again professionally. But it's like a lot of times people will turn dating into an interview, mm. which it's not. It's not meant for that. Right. It's like you don't want someone like rifling off a bunch of questions to you, like, where were you born? Who is they? What were your past relations like? It's like, don't bombard people with a list of questions. It doesn't build closeness and connection, which is which is what you want. Yeah. Right. So instead of being like instead of having that interviewing kind of like question, question, question mindset, like what what kind of approach do you think people should take? It just comes from a place of genuine curiosity to get them get to know the human being across from you. Like being genuinely curious about who that person is, what makes them tick, what makes them them, what makes them unique, what makes them flawed, what makes them beautiful, what they really believe about things. Um, when your intention is just to genuinely get to know that human being, you won't interview them. When your intention is to get a boyfriend because you have a goal that by September 15th, you're going to have a boyfriend then what are we going to do? We're going to interview and yeah, we're going to jump the gun because we don't want to waste time. Don't want to waste time. Got things to happen. You know, I don't have time for these types of dates. I, you know, I go on two dates a week. Oh, that's taking away from my work too much, too much. I can't, I can't do it. We hear that all the time and it just, it breaks the connection that those interviews, it doesn't, it doesn't work. And you may think like, oh, well guys don't, they don't really notice. He answers all my questions. He doesn't care. He may not actually even realize what doesn't feel right about that interaction. He may not be thinking, oh, this she's interested. He may not have any idea, but he can tell. Like any we're perceptive. Like humans are really perceptive about this kind of thing. And we connect with people all the time. And so yeah. when you're in that kind of agenda-based interaction, it just feels different. Yeah. And so instead of asking question after question, going through your your list of, you know, must find out information, what I would suggest to women is approach this like he has a great story to tell and you want to learn about all the details yeah. you know it's like someone's telling you about a great book that like the, the summer beach read that they're reading and they're telling you the plot and it's like you just like what happens next like that kind of approach to a conversation is always going to be more genuine more authentic and actually get you better information yep as a side note, I should say, we are hiring like crazy here at Love Strategies. Quick plug, if anyone wants to work here, uh, we are hiring. So always go to lovestrategies.com and click the hiring area at the bottom. But uh, with that said, we're doing a lot of interviews. I still think that even with interviewing professionally, that's a good way to interview. 
Like there are some interviewers who just like have their 10 questions that they must ask. And you got to ask this way. I love right. to just genuinely get to know the person and understand their story. Like, because that's the best thing. If they're on guard and they have, they're feeling like they're getting bombarded with questions. They're going to answer it in a way that is not going to actually give you much information. Whereas if someone just, you connect with them, you like them, it's kind of like having a beer with a friend, but you know, you have, you have some guidelines on how you're gener you know, moving the conversation forward. I'm telling you, like, I don't want to my own horn, but I think people come out of our interviews being like, Hey, that was actually pretty fun. And if, like, and so I think you can do it even it's like even professionally, you can do it that way, but definitely with dating, that's how it's got to be. It's like, you just go in with just having fun, enjoying yourself while also you, you are still information gathering. It's just not like a drilling and it's not, you're asking a question in order to get him to be your boyfriend or in order to X, Y, and Z. It's so much more of just about actually trying to get to know the guy. Yeah, we talk all the time about, you know, dating, a big part of dating, what you're trying to do is mitigate risk. Like you're trying to lower the risk level. And so when you have that list of questions of all this information you want to find out, most of it's pretty typical things. And it's it's like a typical interview question. Like, what's, what's your weakness? Like a lot of the questions you're thinking to ask are things that guys know that get asked. And so they'll have prepared answers for those kinds of things anyway. But yeah. as you kind of get into that, like they have a great story to tell and it's like, something that's out of the norm, something that's not typical, it's going to be a more interesting conversation. They're going to be less prepared for it. So it's going to be a lot more authentic and a lot more revealing as to who they really are, which yeah. is all what you want in a dating situation. Definitely. Here's, here's an example of a question that I would recommend asking. And let me give you, let me give you two different scenarios. And we talk a lot about this when people get to little love step number four, when you're going on dates. So, Let's say you do want to determine if a guy has long-term potential. Option A, which a lot of women might ask, is like what I said earlier. So are you looking for a relationship right now or not? And eh, boring question, terrible. It's going to put him on the defensive. He's not going to feel great coming out of that. And honestly, whatever he says, you can't really trust that much anyways, right? Because some guys might even lie just to get in your pants. Okay, sorry, being honest here. All right, I'm out of here to protect you. So that's not the way to go. Option two could be asking a question like, so let me ask you a fun question. Like if you could live any life you'd ever want to live in five years from now, what does that life look like? Walk me through that life. And it's kind of like a fun question and it's hypothetical, but you can actually get a lot of good information from a question like that. And there's a lot of different derivatives of that question you can do. Like if you could live anywhere you want to live in the next five years, what would it be? So on and so forth. But let's just go with like, if you could live any life that you want to live in the next five years, what would it look like? If he says that he wants to be traveling through Thailand, backpacking with his buddies, you got your answer. All right. That's what he wants. He does not want a committed relationship. But if he says, you know, honestly, in five years, I really would love to have a family. I would love to move out of the city and have a beautiful house and uh, X, Y, and Z build a life with someone. Now we're getting somewhere. And the nice thing about this is it's not when he's saying these things, it's not necessarily about you. He might even say, I want to be married. I want to be in a relationship, but it's less so about like, I want to be married to you or in a relationship with you. It's just like, we're talking about hypotheticals here. 
And so it just like lowers the temperature of the conversation, puts way less pressure on it, and actually gives you pretty good information. So I don't know. I love those types of questions. And I think they can be done in a really playful, fun way that is enjoyable for both parties. Yeah. And that's why you asked that question about five years and it's not, you know, what do you expect to be doing next year? Like next year is like, makes it about you in the moment where five years, like you said, it is, it's more of a hypothetical, like life philosophy type of thing, which, which yeah. is really, really smart. And again, five years from now, like that goes against this like agenda checking, you know, checkbox way of, of approaching a, a dating conversation, which is good. Um, Gary, where do you want to be in five years? I want to be with you. Yeah. <laughs> Damn right, baby. I, the feeling is mutual. Let's get married. Let's do it. I'm, I'm all in, baby. I'm all in. Well, we're, in a, we're in a pleasant spot because our professional and personal life intermingle quite a bit. Yes. Um, yes. But I, I think, you know, I, hopefully this was really useful. And, and I want to kind of go back to, to wrap this up with a theme that we happened to talk about in the beginning, which is, you know, social psychology is all about the situation and how that dictates you know, attributes of yourself that are prominent at the moment, right? So roles influence traits. And so we just have to be cognizant of the person we are at work may not be the best person to go on a date. And so we have both types of traits within us. And so we're always going to kind of display and use the traits that best fit the particular situation. The person we are with our friends is different than the person we are with our coworkers and the different than who we are with our family. Like that's just part of being human. And so we have to be cognizant of this same thing when we're shifting over, transitioning from our professional life into our personal. Yeah. And that's okay. And that's a good thing. Like, I mean, we all wear different hats in different circumstances all of the time. Um, yep. I, just relating this back to myself, my favorite topic of all time, which is me, is uh, when I was dating, I was a pretty intimidating guy to a lot of women for good reason, because I was like this dating coach who did television and was like speaking at colleges and doing all this stuff. I'm not saying I deserve to be intimidating. I just was because of like my credentials and what I was doing. Imagine going on a date with like a dating expert. That's nerve wracking. So I was very intentional about going on those dates and really lowering the temperature, not be, not because I was worried about necessarily like her success level versus mine or anything like that. It's just like, I want to wear a different hat because I don't want to wear that hat. That's not like, that's right. one part of me. I have a whole other part of me. All right. I'm a total goofball behind closed doors. Like I'm not the guy, the guy you're meeting right now is not necessarily the guy you'll meet at Saturday, this upcoming Saturday when I'm tubing, tubing down a river in Maine. All right. That's a very different guy. All right. He's going to have a couple drinks in him. He's going to be a different guy than you got right now. And, and that's okay. Like, so, so just accept that rather than fighting it being like, I have to be the same energy that I am at work. And if we can learn how to just kind of massage it and change it, that is the key, I think, to all of this. And, 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 uh, if we can just with a wrap up, I hope, I hope if there's anything you got from this, we can start kind of deprogramming you from having this idea that men are intimidated by your success because they're not. And there's plenty of research that shows that men want to be with their equal. Don't dumb yourself down. Don't be someone you're not. Don't do anything like that. Um, because ultimately the right man, if you can shift your energy in the way we're discussing, the right man will be massively, massively into you and want to spend the rest of his life with his equal. You, you know the saying, like, 
who do A players want to play with? A players, baby. A players, right? So if you're an A player, right? You're listening to this podcast. You're an A player. Don't think like, oh, he's going to be intimidated by the fact that I'm an A. No, no, no. You're an A. He, you want an A player too. So does he. He's an A player who wants like it's reciprocal. We, if you're good at what you do, you're successful, perfect. You want to be with other people that are like that. So don't go into it thinking otherwise because you're going to set yourself up for failure. Love it. All right. Thank you, Gary. That was fantastic. That was fun. Yeah. And I hope everyone, I hope we towed that line quite well. I think we did. I think we did. We'll see you in the car. <laughs> All right. So now you've reached the end of the show. Please make sure you follow and subscribe to the Love Strategies podcast, wherever it is that you're listening so that you never feel alone again on your journey to love. As always, if you want to unlock all of our love strategies and begin your love life transformation, head on over to lovestrategies.com to get started. Stay beautiful and uh, speak to you next week.